My mother and father were married for 71 years. And my sweet little mama used to say, you know, marriage was made in heaven. And then my dad would come right behind her and say, yeah, and so was thunder and lightning. And of course, we'd all laugh and giggle. And they'd have a big laugh and giggle over it too. But thunder and lightning got me starting to think about storms. And I've thought a lot about storms today. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better. Because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. We are glad you are here. And we want to thank a couple of folks before we go any further. One, I want to thank Eric for buying us five cups of coffee. Woohoo! I'm drinking one right now. Thanks, Eric. Eric, we certainly appreciate that. And I also want to thank Lindsay. Lindsay sent a very, very encouraging email to us, and then today she sent us a little short video of her precious little daughter telling us personally that they have chickens yes, now. Yes, they've so, got seven chickens. And so we certainly Lyrics. appreciate you <laughs> folks, and we appreciate all of our listeners. And as Krista mentioned, we've thought a lot about storms today because it is the 12th anniversary of one of the worst days in Alabama history. It was called the Super Outbreak. Well, we just call it April 27th now. Yeah, right? April 27th, 2011 is one of those days that's going to be etched in Alabama history and other states were involved as well, but many of you may recall, you may have been living in either Mississippi, Alabama, or Tennessee. Let, let me give you more than that. Oh. And, and this took place across April the 25th through the 28th. Yes, a series of days of So there's, there's portions of three days there, and I was there. I went through this, and I went through some of the recovery stuff afterwards. And I'll share a little bit more about that with you. But on that particular day, over 300 people were killed and hundreds more were seriously injured by a total of, get this, 362 tornadoes. That is a crazy statistic. I understand that the state of Alabama actually received the worst brunt of all of the damage on the 27th. Uh, Alabama sort of stands alone as the single state to have the most. We had the most fatalities of any one state. But listen to the states that were affected by this. Arkansas, Louisiana, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia, Mississippi, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, Ohio, Texas, and Oklahoma, as well as Alabama. And Alabama was the hardest hit state a total of 252 people lost their life in that one state alone. Yeah. You know, people still talk about it. It actually was on the news from morning till night, just as a remembrance of this day. 
for being the super outbreak from it was literally a midnight to midnight, Mm -hmm. April 27th. One of the things that you told me since you were living here was that some of the tornado storm activity occurred rather early in the morning. Yes, it went over my house at six o'clock that morning. I heard it go over. Oh, my word. And, you know, it's either a tornado or it's an airborne train, and either one of them's bad. Well, didn't you also tell me that at some point the storms abated and the skies cleared up, the sun came out? And then what was happening? Well, there were two lines of storms. The first one came through that morning, and that first line of storms, tornadoes, there were two people killed in the county in which I work. And then it turned off to be an absolutely gorgeous day. Mm. Middle of the day was just as pretty a day as you could want. And people were looking at recovery, recovery, recovery. And I had been involved with the EMA on this. And we're saying, no, hunker down. We're not ready for that. There's another line coming. You know, that beautiful sunny day actually bodes badly because what happens, it heats up some of that air, and then that cold air from the north comes down, and you you still have a storm situation. And and it turned ugly very quickly. Mm. But one of the things that we learned, and you and I have talked about this some, one of the things that we learned is that a number of people, once it cleared off from that first set of storms, a lot of people just put it in the back of their mind, it's over. So they just went back around their normal activities. Exactly. And there were, I heard someone who studies a lot of this and deaths after tornadoes and such, and he said that actually only about 30 people out of this 252 people could not have done anything. Hmm. It was just because it was an EF-5, wasn't it? There were EF-4s, EF-5s, EF-everythings coming through this state. But he said all but 30 of these could have done something to prevent dying. Oh, so maybe they didn't have the protection plan. That, they didn't hear it, they didn't know about it, and Mm. this reinforces don't depend on the outdoor sirens. In the United States, we have a series in a lot of areas that have outdoor sirens that sound when there is a a tornado warning. Yeah, we have some here in North Alabama. Yes, and and we can actually hear one from our house, but it's, it's too far away to guarantee that it will wake us up at night. True. So that's why we have to have that NOAA weather radio. The point I'm making here is a lot of these people needed to have kept a better eye on what's coming. So we need those other ways to get warnings. After this, just to tell you my personal story, my first wife and I were in a FEMA shelter in Riverside, Alabama, which is in St. Clair County, and it is rated for an EF-5 tornado. And we had 153 people and six dogs in that shelter. Oh, my word. When the tornadoes went through. Uh Riverside had been hit that morning and had damage to the city hall in the area in front of the shelter. But there was no damage to the shelter. And the way that thing's built, I don't know that you could damage it. But we were in there and we were watching the radar as it went over to 
of our daughter's houses. Oh, my. I'm a weather nerd, and I told y'all before I use GR Level 3 for my radar program. And it's as close to live street level as you can get. And I had my daughter's houses marked on the, the map. And I watched the tornado go over their house. Oh, dear gracious. And then it was 20-something minutes before we were even able to get a text message from them that yeah. they were okay. It's the longest 20 minutes of your life. Very long 20 minutes. And so right after the, the next tornado after that, that went over one of my son-in-laws, he decided it's time to get his ham radio license so he can step out the door and call me. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Um, the other thing is that a lot of people didn't pay attention to the warnings. They had this idea that, well, nothing ever happens. Yeah, the nothing ever happens crowd. Yeah, and, and I understand, and the National Weather Service has a duty to warn us when there is a potential tornado. Yes, absolutely. And it's up to us to pay attention to those. And I spent a couple of weeks working in disaster relief with ham radio and such, and we had 12 people killed in our county there that night. And one of them, actually, uh, I knew her father very well. And he was already passed away, and she was on up in years a little bit, and she passed away. But I knew her growing up as well. So, but there were a lot of folks there, and it, it's just a it's a hard day at times when I really think back through it. But now there is a book available if you would like to know more about this, and it's by a meteorologist in Birmingham. James Spann, S-P-A-N-N. Span is the man. Span is the man. He is. Tell you a little bit about James. If he's wearing his suit coat, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh-huh. If he's got his coat off, you probably need to pay a little bit of attention. Ooh. When he, and he wears suspenders all the time. So if you see him in long sleeve shirt and suspenders, pay a little more attention. If he loosens his tie, it, we're in trouble. And on April the 27th, <laughs> his tie was gone. And his shirt sleeves were rolled up, and that means, get ready, folks, it's coming. I was reading a little bit about this book. Do you know that James Spann stood on duty? Well, not, didn't literally stand, but he was on duty on the air for 15 consecutive hours mm -hmm. broadcasting. Yep. An unprecedented amount of time to make certain that the word got out. Wall-to-wall -wall coverage is what live local TV will do. Mm -hmm. And please, people, don't ever fuss about that. Live local wall-to-wall -wall coverage, once watches and warnings are being issued, has been proven to save lives. And I'll tell you another one that did a fantastic job that day. There was a family in the Birmingham television market, and I don't remember exactly where, and it was a Hispanic family. And the only one that was really fluent in English was a preteen girl. Mm. And she translated what James Spann was saying throughout the entire thing. So not wow. all 15 hours, but, yeah, but she during the part the that, uh, that could affect them. And she translated that. So that little girl did a fantastic job there with that as well. Yeah. So the name of this book is All You Can Do Is Pray by James Spann. And this is an amazing storyline of the super outbreak, the effect that it had, some of the fascinating facts. 
and some of the, the tragedies and triumphs of that day. Uh, certainly it's a sorrowful time, but it also can often highlight what's best in us, the good of us, how we can come together as a community, neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend, family to family. Because when a storm breaks out, you know, there's no enemies and there's no mm-hmm. borderlines. We're all in the same boat at that point. And in a place in St. Clair County, Alabama called Shoal Creek, one of our ham radio operators lived in Shoal Creek and still does for that matter. And he came out and we heard from him about 15 or 20 minutes after the storm came over. And he gave us an overall look of what he was seeing at that point in time. And so we started getting people ready to go in uh, very quickly after the storm to actually go in and help and do search and rescue. And they came out running chainsaws and clearing roads because there was no way to get emergency vehicles in. Absolutely. Now, this book not only details the day or that event, uh, the entire thing, but it also has a number of the people that were injured, involved, killed, or instrumental in this thing in it as well. And if you would like a copy of the book, if you will go to James Span book.com jamesspanbook.com and you can order it from there and he'll be glad to autograph it in any way you would like it and he will send that out to you now this is a pretty good segue into what we really want to do because we're going to talk about another kind of storm yeah. and it's coming it's a coming it's coming And it starts on June the 1st. And what we're referring to is hurricane season officially begins in North America on June the 1st. I was surprised to learn, Mark, you have done some research on this. Throughout the world, we have hurricanes, typhoons, cyclones. Are they essentially the same type of storm? Do they kind of look the same? They might not go the same direction. They, they are. And a hurricane and a typhoon, basically the same thing. I see. Okay. And my dad, that's what he did in the military and during the Korean War. He was in the Pacific Air Weather Service, and they flew out of Japan with B-29s. And they flew into typhoons. Oh, that gee. was the was he like one of the original hurricane hunters? That was the predecessors yeah. to the hurricane hunters. Yes. Now the June one is the Atlantic hurricane season, and then you've got the Northwest Pacific typhoon season that is all year long. Oh, so there's just no expiration on mm-hmm. that deal. And the Eastern Pacific hurricane season. Actually starts May the fifteenth. Okay, so that's coming so up. So there's, it's coming up, and you know, we're not saying that on June one or on May fifteenth we're going to have a hurricane. That's not no, what they're we're just saying, saying that's the that's most when the season starts. Right, they, it extends for a certain amount of time. Like it, the, you're talking about June the first for the Atlantic, and it generally runs to November the thirtieth. Yeah, it, it really does. And the first name storm will be Arlene. Arlene. We've already got a list of those names, and I don't know, they have those names out two or three years. And Actually, I think they do. They've got a rotating list so that they don't repeat, you know, too often. But That, and they will retire certain names. There right. will never be another Katrina. Right. There'll never be another Andrew nope. or a Carmen or so those have Camille. Or Frederick. <laughs> and those have been retired. But as we look at this, and one of the reasons that we wanted to do this episode now 
is because now is the time to get ready. Yes, you know, we talk about practical prepping, right? Your listeners, you know what we're all about. We need to prepare for these types of things, particularly if you are in a hurricane-prone area. Our Florida listeners on both coasts, the, mm-hmm. the east coast of Florida is usually a little bit more at risk because of where it is. But the Gulf, by all means, all throughout that Gulf area, all through, you know, Mobile, Biloxi, well, I'm, New Orleans. I'm going to say not just the coast because those things cross Florida. Well, I mean, I'm here to tell you they can cross up into the inward states. Well, I understand too. that, but it goes across all the way across Florida, yeah, right? And Florida skinny, it, it, <laughs> unless you're driving it, <laughs> right? But it it will come in and it will probably drop one category as it crosses mm-hmm. the state. A little bit of landfall, there. and then yeah. it picks back up when it hits the water again. So it really, if you're in Florida, get ready for this, especially if you're new to Florida. Yeah. Another thing I'd say here, we're going to give you some things to do, but if you're new to Florida or to a coastal area and you've never gone through hurricanes, find one of those old heads around there and ask them, what about the hurricanes? What do I need to do for hurricanes? How bad can it get here? You might get a mixed uh, bag of responses too, because some of those old codgers are the type that I'm not leaving. I'm going to ride it out. Yeah. And some have ridden all the way out to the sea. Yeah. But if, if those folks have been living there, they've got a pretty fair handle on what it takes so. to yeah. survive one and even what it takes when it's time to go, when it's time to leave. But now is the time to prepare. Yes. Because we're only about six weeks away from the beginning of the hurricane season. And you old timers, it's time to check your preps. Right. And what kind of things do our hurricane friends need to prep for? Well, there's some things that we can do early. And one is go ahead and buy plywood for the windows. If you're going to board up, go ahead and buy that now. Because if you wait, it may be sold out. Right. I mean, hurricane se- an actual hurricane, for those of you that are probably aware, most hurricane activity actually begins as a weather system off the west coast of Africa. And that's where a lot of these weather spotters will begin to see the weather activity, and we're talking weeks ahead Mm -hmm. of an actual storm. So pay attention to some of that Atlantic weather that's coming off of West Africa, particularly as it moves to the middle part of the ocean and as the summer temperatures heat up. Because I'll tell you that what happens is once the American meteorologists begin to speak about a hurricane in terms of the hurricane word, that's the clue right there that all hands on deck. It's time to get that plywood. It's time. And then here's what happens. These big box stores will run out. They will just run out. They will. And that that's the point. Now, if, what I'm saying here is don't wait till they say hurricane. Exactly. And when they do say hurricane, it may not be coming at you. But if you keep living on that coast, the odds are you're going to need that plywood at some point. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and get the plywood. I would go ahead and cut it to fit individual windows and put numbers on the plywood and then store it. Smart. And then That's a good idea. All I've got to do is pull it out and screw it in, and we're done. We're exactly. boarded up. But a lot of windows get broken, a lot of debris flying. That's one thing that we can do now. And another thing that we can do right now is have an evacuation plan. 
You know, I remember seeing television footage of where they take the interstate highways and they redirect them to all be exiting to try to get people out. And it's standstill because 10,000 million people have decided to all leave at the same time. You want to be a couple of days ahead of most people. And if you think you're going to get a hotel room 20 miles up, you might not. So you may have to think about multiple thoughts about where you would go if you had to evacuate. Right. And and decide ahead of time when you'll leave. If I'm living down there, I'm not leaving on a cat one. Probably not. Probably Probably not. not leaving on a cat one. But. Landfall begins to be narrowed to affect you, then you need to really already have that plan in place. And one of the things that I have said in the past is if you leave early, you might can drive 50 miles and find a hotel. I see. If you wait till the last minute, you can't drive 150 miles and find a hotel. Let me give you another little tip, something that we've learned. We have a neighbor who rents their house out as an Airbnb. And we have found a lot of people are refugees from storms will come and rent that Airbnb. So this is a tip, listener. Part of your evacuation plan might be, obviously, a lot of people are going to think hotel first because it's quick, fast, and in a hurry. You may want to have a list of Airbnbs that Mm -hmm. you may be able to go to because they actually may be more available in a safe place. So just you know, think about that. I had never really thought about the Verbos and the Airbnb mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So that's now an alternative that didn't even really exist, say, 15 years ago. Have that destination ahead of time. Uh, Mike, go ahead and, you know, we've traveled enough. We've got hotel information in our phones that, and we're planning a trip now and we know exactly where we're going to be staying. And so we have that where we can just dial them up and make that reservation. Sure. And so it's good to have that, have a stash of cash. I like that. A stash of cash. Yes. A stash of cash. And why do we need cash? Well, when you're coming back, cards may not work. You know, that's true. There have been some times when if the power's out or if it's on generator or what have you, a lot of times those credit card machines mm-hmm. are offline. And a lot of companies, a lot of even small like the gas station convenience stores, they're going to want to obviously open their doors if they can, if they've not been damaged. And they may only deal in cash. So think about having some five tens and 20s, you know, and just keep some of that and realize, keep smaller bill. Don't have a pocket full of hundreds where you need a lot of change back. Yeah, that would be a stash of cash. That would be, but be, be practical. Nice. Be practical. Have fives, tens, and twenties tend to be the most important denominations that you can carry. Now, if you do plan to stay, realize that if you call 911, you may get the answer, we can't help you. Well, you know, they do make that very clear. Mm-hmm. When they begin to have the evacuation, and obviously most evacuations do begin as a voluntary mm-hmm. evacuation, but I have listened to enough hurricane footage from states all around to the extent that I've seen the mandatory evacuation mm-hmm. order go out. I saw that with Katrina. It might have been a little bit too late to even go mandate, but yep. the point there is 
Some people still refused to leave. Well, here's the point I'm making is that the time comes when it's just too dangerous to put emergency personnel in harm's way. And I think they make that message very they, clear. They do make that message. And in fact, last year I heard a government official say prior to the hurricane, the first 72 are on you. Okay. The first 72 hours are on you. You're probably not going to have help in that period of time. Now, you might, but so much effort goes into search and rescue there that your issue may not get addressed. Now, here's a good question. If you ignore an evacuation order, do you really have a right to ask someone else to risk their life to come to you when you should have evacuated? Very good question. Very, very good question. Because I'll tell you that rescuers do want to do a very good job of rescuing when they can. But there is a line mm-hmm. that they will not cross. And they're just, and it has come to that point. Well, we want to go home when this is over. Yeah. We want to go home safely. We don't want to have to be rescued. But if there's an evacuation order and you ignore that, do you really have the right to call and ask someone else to risk their life because you should have evacuated? Something to think about. It's a question you're going to have to answer for yourself. We've said stay prepped. And I would say minimum for a week. But on this April 27th, we saw a lot of places that were without power for over a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're talking 14 to 18 days, Mm -hmm. zero power, no electricity at all. You need to be prepared for that. And we're going to go through some of the things here in just a little bit. But when help does come, it may be delayed. Have you seen some of the streets after a hurricane has come through? I've been on some of those streets. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they can be littered with 150-year-old trees, pieces of house, live wires. It's going to take some time to clear a path for a fire truck to get through. In Biloxi, Mississippi, there was a casino on the other side of Highway 98. A whole casino? Yeah. It was one of the ones wow. on the barge. And oh, it no. picked it up and put it across 98 and all of those beautiful 100-plus-year-old trees Right down there on 98, right down by the water, they were just gone. They they were gone. Oh, my word. This stuff is just astronomical when it comes to the power. When you've seen what the power of a hurricane can do, a Cat 4 or a Cat 5, it's a humbling experience. I've not personally been to where a Cat 5 was. I've been to enough 3s and 4s. I don't want to go to a 5. Yeah. A 5 would leave nothing. Understand that when help does come, it may be delayed. They've got to triage and prioritize. That's why proficiency in first aid is so important on our part. And we need that well-stocked first aid kit. And we need to store medications, especially those that we normally take. We need to have at least a week's worth of our own medications on hand, very minimum. Because it could be a a week before a pharmacy could open. Yeah. I mean, people, we're being very serious. We're not trying to scare you. We're trying to paint a picture of how reality works when a hurricane wants to come a-calling. So let's take a short break for sponsors, and we'll come back and talk about some of the things for which we can prepare. If having crystal clear, clean water is important to you, either every day or in an emergency, 
you need to look at Pro One Gravity Filter. Pro One filters over 200 contaminants out of the water, including microplastics. It also filters out fluoride without having to buy an additional filter. We have the Big Plus 3-gallon gravity system, and we use it daily. We can really tell a difference in the taste of our water. The tea and the coffee, everything tastes better. There is a right-size Pro One gravity filter for your family, from whole house systems right down to the refrigerator pitcher. Order your Pro One today. The link is on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. National security experts are warning. Our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. January marked the third time a power station in North Carolina was damaged by gunfire recently. Authorities are saying the attack raises a new level of threat. Authorities are now checking our grid for vulnerabilities. They've identified nine key substations. If these substations are attacked, power could be knocked out from coast to coast for up to 18 months. Just imagine a blackout lasting not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time right at the moment the power fails. Lights all over the country would go out, throwing people into total darkness. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. With the Patriot Power Generator, you get a solar generator that doesn't install into your house because it's portable. You can take it with you. You can even use it inside. But it's powerful enough for your phones, your medical devices, even your refrigerator. And right now, you can go to 4patriots.com and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including the Patriot Power Generator. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4 and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off. That's 4 Use the code PREPPER to get 10% off in their shop today. Now here's a PREPPER item for you that serves two purposes. It's a 40X concentrate, so it stores easily and takes up little space. It's Clean Start non-alcohol-based hand sanitizer and antiseptic. That's right, a hand sanitizer and antiseptic. It doesn't dry out your skin like alcohol-based hand sanitizer. In fact, it has moisturizers which leave your skin feeling great, and it smells good too. Being non-alcohol-based, it doesn't burn when you put it on cuts and scrapes. The grandsons think that's the best part, but the best part is that it kills germs and keeps killing for up to three hours. Alcohol-based hand sanitizers stop killing germs as soon as it dries. Clean Start is patent pending as being the only hand sanitizer in the world that can stop an accidental overdose from illicit drugs like fentanyl for first responders like police officers, firefighters, EMS workers, and emergency room staff. Non-alcohol formula that acts like soap to wash away chemicals while leaving pores of the skin closed so that chemicals don't have a chance to enter the bloodstream. And here's a prepper bonus. Not on the FDA registration, I found this one on my own, and that is that I can clean my glasses. Put a touch on each side of the lens, wipe it with a soft cloth, it cleans and doesn't leave streaks. Clean Start, 
there's a 25% discount on our website. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the things for which we can prepare. And I think we're really focusing on hurricanes because hurricane season in just a few weeks is going to go official as far as the season of June the 1st. But much of this applies to tornadoes and other type storms as well. We put it in the category of general prepping, but keep in mind that this crosses over to a number of type of situations. You know, even a severe enough thunderstorm can do some straight line wind damage and you could be without power. And that's probably the most common element to a large storm event is that it knocks the power out. Even power that's underground. Uh, We have a family member who lived in a neighborhood where all the power lines were underground, but she still wondered why am I not getting power? Because the grid, you know, blocks away is not underground. Mm -hmm. And if it's knocked out, your underground power is not coming. Exactly. That just hides it in the na- neighborhood. Yeah. But we need to prepare for that power being out, and we can do that with a generator. We saved up and we bought a generator. Thankfully, we haven't used it yet. We haven't needed to, but the day's coming. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're going to need it. We know it. But one word of caution on generators, run them outdoors only. They are not to be brought into the home. No. Carbon monoxide kills. And people have died from doing that. And they do every year, it seems like. And, you know, people will also bring in a gas grill Mm -hmm. for heat, like in a winter storm event. Same issue. Yeah. No can do. That is a very unsafe thing to do. And you need fuel for that generator. Mm -hmm. So keep those two things on hand. Now, there's also the, the things that we can do that don't involve a generator and for a number of years here, we did not have a generator, but we had a game plan that involved batteries and inverters. Right. You're talking about car batteries? Uh, car batteries, in, in my particular case, I sleep on a CPAP, and Krista makes absolutely sure I have my CPAP because I can rattle the windows and she can't sleep if I don't have my CPAP. The CPAP is life. (laughs) (laughs) When we pack to go on a trip, what's the first thing I ask that you packed? As we're pulling off, did you get your CPAP? Mm -hmm. But anyway, I forgot it once. Oh, people. Oh, dear. No, he'll never forget it again. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yep. What I have is an inverter that I can hook to a car battery and plug that CPAP into it. Have you actually used the inverter and the car battery idea? Oh, many times, because that's how we did it at the hunting club, because we were six miles from electricity. Yeah, you didn't have electricity in the camper, did you? We didn't have electricity to the camper, but we had several batteries and inverters and satellite TV. Clever. and, And we lit the place with lanterns. So we had lanterns for light. And you're running all of that off a car battery and an inverter. Off car and inverter. Nice. So it's neat. But have extra batteries for every device that you have. So you need those. uh, Actually, you need to build a lights out kit. Yeah. Okay. And, And that's flashlights, LED lanterns, headlamps, glow sticks, whatever. But you need extra batteries for every device or flashlight that you have. You know, think about it. If you're going to be without power for 14 days, that's a lot of dark nights. Mm -hmm. And that's why batteries can get overused all of a sudden, because now you've got to use all those lanterns and lights and flashlights for all of the hours of nighttime that normally you just pop the switch for. And all those nights with no power is what causes the birth rate to spike nine months later. We're not even talking about that right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, you do bring up a good point. Hurricane Hugo blew through uh, Concord, North Carolina in September of 1989. I remember it because I was there. And uh, the following spring and summer of 1990 was a major birth boom in Cabarrus County because, uh, well, you know, people cling together when the weather gets cold and people get scared. So enough said. And there were a lot of Christmas babies after the blizzard of 93 in Birmingham. <laughs> That's right. So anyway. That's right. All right. Next thing we want to do is plan for auxiliary heating and cooling. Heating, if it's cold, we could get into tornado situations where we have that. We'd get into snowstorms where we lose power and need that. In many of the hurricane areas along the coast, it gets hot. Oh, yes. A generator with a window unit, you can cool one room down anyway. I kind of intend to get an inexpensive window unit and put it in the garage in storage and have it so that we can put it into the window if we need it, if we lose power for an extended time during the summer. I actually saw a little miniature window unit just the other day in a client's home. I had never seen this. This was in an upstairs bonus room that a college student, when they're home, would be using for their bedroom. And it was just a little, like, it was maybe a third of the size mm-hmm. of the original type window unit. Yeah. And I thought, I looked at that and I said, that must be what Mark is talking about with a little window unit that might do a, you know, one or two rooms worth yeah. if you need it. Our backup heat plan is a Mr. Heater Big Buddy, mm-hmm. which puts out 18,000 BTUs on high. And we can hole up in one room and actually be more than warm enough. With We've a, actually had to turn it down oh, because yes. it heats up very effectively. It, it, it does. All right. Another thing to plan for is that food delivery is going to stop for a while. Yeah, you're not going to see any uh, Hungry Root or HelloFresh, no Instacart, no Stakeout, no Grubhub, no pizza, no Domino's. Delivery may stop 100%, which means what you're going to eat, whatever mm-hmm. you've prepped, that's what. And you're going to have businesses destroyed that are not going to be able to do that. But also food may not be available for a while because the grocery stores may be closed. Yeah, that's actually happened when when Huntsville got hit with tornadoes and such. A lot of grocery stores were blown to bits. Mm -hmm. And you can't deliver to a store that's not there anymore. So what's your plan for buying food? You might have to drive 50 miles. So you better have some, maybe some non-perishables available. Yes, yes. And and we're talking about having food storage here, enough food to sustain your family for a bare minimum of two weeks. Bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And that includes water. Yes. Don't forget water. Month is a whole lot better, but a bare minimum of two weeks. Absolutely. And... The grocery stores, now this is where that stash of cash comes in. Some of the mom and pops may open, but they may have to open cash only. Mm-hmm. And maybe for limited hours. You, yeah. never, you just never know what the situation's going to bear. And they do it as a service to the community more than they do for making money. Mm-hmm. But cash becomes king. Those credit cards may not work. The ATMs may go, go out. All kinds of things. The ATM may be underwater. (laughs) The bank processing center may be underwater with the storm surge. Or you might be in a situation where just you can negotiate a better price with cash. Yeah, that's true. 
Let's talk about the Alabama state bird for a minute. Oh, you must be referring to the common southern mosquito. Yes, the mosquito. It is the state bird. When it bites you, you sure feel like you've been pecked. Yeah, James Spann says the trampoline is the state bird because so many of them wind up in trees, sitting in trees after, you know, <laughs> after, after these storm, storms. right? But you want to prepare for those mosquitoes. I told you all about the disaster relief team that I sent down to Lake Wells, Florida, after I think it was Charlie. Uh, There were two that had crossed right there at Lake Wells. And I was talking to John, and I said, what do you need? And he said, either send me a case of deep woods off or a case of 410 shells. (laughs) Shotgun shells. He said, the mosquitoes down here are the size of crows. Oh, my word. And they were eating them up. I bet so. And when I went to Lake Wells in a couple of weeks, not only did I carry another case to him, I had sent that one the next day, leaving, going to him. We had another team going down. But I experienced those mosquitoes, and they've been in pretty much every hurricane area I've gone in afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's true. Be prepared for that. Now you can pin dryer sheets to kids. I had actually never heard that. Yeah, you can pin it, and and we used to with one of our daughters, we'd pin it to the back of her collar. Oh, okay. And that would keep them away from her neck and head, because the mosquitoes don't like that. Oh. There's also some personal wearable repellent systems. I've seen some things that look like little wristband type Mm -hmm. things that you can put on a neck band of some sort. Yeah, I think you need one on each shoulder, one on each arm, one on each leg. Maybe some spray. Yeah, Yeah. spray will work better. (laughs) Now, be aware that communications are going to be interrupted. Oh, definitely. This is where the ham radio folks really spring into action because once FEMA and the Red Cross, Salvation Army, or whatever some of the larger organizations begin to stage, ham radio is already on the scene. And they can often be the single only line of communication out of and back into that area. Because cable TV is going to be interrupted. The cables are down. It's going to get a it's going to take a while to put them back up. Cell phone towers can be down. Mm-hmm. And if they're not down, they're quickly overloaded. Oh, gosh, yes. That's why you've given the helpful practical prepping tip of send a text message rather than try to jam up into a phone call because that's going to be harder to do. And a text message requires less bandwidth. And it keeps trying until it gets delivered. Right. So remember those 20 minutes you were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier when you didn't hear from your daughters? And that was a text message when we heard from them. That's There you go. They very well could have sent that text message 10, 15 minutes before, and it eventually got to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, have a battery-operated AM-FM radio for local information. Have extra batteries for that. And it is a good time to have that ham radio and that license. And we have episodes number 16 and 25 that cover ham radio. And we have an excellent book called Making Emergency Communications. But that does not teach you ham radio. No, I understand. It talks about it and ways to make communications. Right. But episode 16 and 25 will help you if you're interested in getting your ham radio license. Okay. The bottom line is that hurricanes can be very serious. They are very serious. And they can be an SHTF situation if it's really bad. So we need to be prepared based on the past experiences of ourselves or others who have survived them. We need water stored 
and a way to replenish and filter that water. We need food stored, non-perishable is best, and ways to prepare that food, you know, auxiliary cooking. We've talked about grills, campfires, rocket stoves, even turkey fryers can be an alternative cooking source. And alternative power options. We've talked about the generators and the car battery, the inverter, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we can do now. And now is the time to get prepared, not the day before the hurricane is expected to make landfall. Make sure you have that weather radio and program it appropriately for your area. And be aware that during a hurricane, it can spin off tornadoes. It does. That has happened. Oh, it happens quite regularly. Mm -hmm. So be prepared for that. If you are finding value in the podcast, would you consider giving back by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash practical prep. Or you can use the link on practicalprepping.info. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running, which furthers our growth and our broadcast reach worldwide. We're in the planning stages of a new podcast endeavor to add to our P3 Media Group family. So we very much appreciate your visit to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. You know why? You know why. Stuff happens. Stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.